0: Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delaine N. D. The podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delaine Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delaine M.D. podcast episode number 91. I'm your host, Dr. Delaine Vaughn. If you are looking for strategies to live your naturally healthy life, you are in the right place. That is what this podcast is dedicated to. Today, we are going to be talking about the rebel inside. And I can't wait. I totally am singing in excesses, devil inside this whole time. So recognize that's playing in my head as we're speaking. I hope it's also now the soundtrack to the podcast for you also. Before we get started, I want to share with you, of course, I always like to share what the things that I'm doing to uplevel my own health. As many of you are aware, I reclaimed my health about three years ago, but I'm a firm believer there's always room for improvement. Lately, I have been going without sugar, all refined sugars. Many of you have heard me talk about my love for chocolate and that I frequently would have a piece of chocolate or two with my meals, right? Like that was just how I lived my life. I would have my meal and then there would be one or two pieces of chocolate every day at the end of it. I did not want that taken out of my life and I'm a grown woman and I can make decisions that serve me in a way that I like and that was one that I liked. So recognize, here's a couple things, friends, one or two pieces of dark chocolate every day does not make you a diabetic. And two, recognize that you really get to be in charge of how you live your life healthy, how you achieve natural health for you. You get to be the deci- deciding factor. You get to make that determination in whatever way works right for you. So don't ever feel like you have to do one thing or another thing because that is almost always not the case. So about 37 days ago, I made a commitment to cutting sugar, refined sugars out of my diet for a 63 day period. And there's a book that talks about 63 days. and We're not going to dig into that, but that's why that random number comes up. I just wanted to commit to working on my thoughts about what I thought about having treats and having desserts and what made up a dessert and what else could be dessert like for me. I wanted to do it partly to work on my thoughts, but more than that, I was really having some issues with inflammation. I was having a really tender, sore knee, which was very, very strange for me, something I'd never experienced before, but really it kept me down for about 10 days. I could not walk on my knee the way I've always walked on my knee. And so I was wondering, you know, is this two pieces of chocolate today? Are are the two pieces of chocolate a day that I'm eating, are they causing me a problem? And so I cut them. I committed to two months of cutting sugars out basically refined sugars. And again, I typically don't eat a lot of flour. I feel like that I don't feel very good. My body physically hurts when I eat things with flour in them. So that's been something that's cut out of my diet a long time ago. But all of those things can be really inflammatory. So I have been experimenting in these 30 some odd days with how do I make desserts? Like how do I make something that's a joy eat essentially, something that I enjoy? It's not there because it serves my cells in the most effective way. It's not there because it's the most appropriate fuel for my metabolism or my body. How do I toy around with foods that are not only about being Metabolism about being biology in my body. That's what I teach my clients, right? I don't teach that we have to only eat for biology. I teach that when we learn to eat only for biology, we can reach all of the goals that we want, right? Could I lose another 10 or 15 pounds if I would stop having joy eats, if I would only 100% of the time eat for biology? Probably could, but I don't feel like I need to do that. So I don't do it. So I've been experimenting with using honey. Um, I've learned to make ice cream with honey. I've learned to make chocolate chip cookies with almond flour and honey. All of it's been very delicious. But I have been on the hunt for a chocolate that doesn't have sugar added to it. Specifically, I wanted to find honey sweetened chocolate. I did find that, and I'll tell you about that. But what I also came across was this interesting sweetener called inulin. I-N as a Nancy, U-L-I-N as a in Nancy. Inulin. So inulin is an extract from the chicory root, the chicory plant root. It is apparently extracted with only hot water. They don't use chemicals to extract it. And I came across this sweetener in a chocolate bar. The brand is called Choco Love. The label has an XO on it, like hugs and kisses. chocolate or Choco Love XO. And they have these delicious little candy bars that I actually had come across a while back, even before I was looking for honey sweetened, uh, chocolates. And it's very, very tasty. Super duper tasty. I was not convinced that inulin was okay because many of you know that I do not recommend any artificial sweeteners. Artificial sweeteners can be very, very damaging to your body in a variety of different ways that I talk about in other podcasts and at other times, but I don't recommend any artificial sweeteners. And I just thought inulin was just another version of an artificial sweetener. So I really um, steered clear of it, but started looking into it. Is this something that my clients can use? Is this something that, you know, could be. Honestly, the chocolate bar was so tasty. I really want the inulin to not be a problem because I really felt that they were almost more tasty, those chocolate bars, with the inulin than a regular chocolate bar would be. So I started researching it and I found that it's this chicory root extract and that it's extracted with just hot water. There's no chemicals, that it's a fiber that's super health healthy for people, especially diabetics. We know that having High quality fiber in your diet will help you reverse your diabetes. So, there's a lot of benefits to having inulin in your diet apparently the only downside is that because it is a fiber that feeds your gut microbiome sometimes you can get pretty gassy with it so anyway there is that brand the chocolate choco love XO, is sweetened with inulin i would highly recommend trying it out if you like chocolates again this is still candy friends right you're eating chocolate like you can't go from like oh i can't have hershey's i can't have a pound of m&ms every day which was my problem To eating a pound of this chocolate of XO, it's still chocolate. You can't eat it all day long, but I think it is a nice um, alternative possibly to, um, having refined sugars in your chocolate as a sweetener. So that was one thing I came across. The other thing I came across was this brand of chocolate called Cocoa Fuel. It uses honey. It's only organic cocoa. Um, I think there's some cocoa butter in it, but outside of that, it's got honey in it. There's no, there's no preservatives in it. There's no emulsifiers in it. They don't have any of these chemical additives in it. It's really pure ingredients I bought them. They were very expensive. That was a little ridiculous. That's That alone cuts down on how much chocolate you'll eat. But I think it was $8 a chocolate bar. They were really good. I had two flavors. One was called Almond... It was an almond flavor, and the other one was called virgin. I really thought the almond would be more tasty, but it wasn't. The virgin was super delicious, super smooth, very clean, very good. I highly recommend it. Cocoa fuel. If you have any questions about those, let me know. Send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. If you know anything interesting about inulin, because I've really had a lot of I mean, I, it's been challenging to find any really great information about anyone as a sweetener. I'd love to hear any information that anybody has out there. Try it out. Let me know what you think. All right. Before we get started about the Rebel Inside, I want to talk about quick plug for next week's or upcoming episodes. It's not even next week, although I think I finally will have one of these recorded next week. I have been promising a life and purpose coach that her and I are going to have an interview and we've finally been able to find a time to get it scheduled so we can get it recorded. There were some scheduling delays with spring break and just our personal schedules, but we have it on for next week to record. So hopefully a week from today, from this coming, this podcast coming out, that podcast will be coming out. I also have an interview with one of my clients planned for you. If you want to hear firsthand what it looks like to work with me, what leads somebody, like what drives somebody to come and work with me? What is it that, you know, one thinks when they're working on becoming naturally healthy and trying to figure out how to get there, what that looks like? This is going to be a, a great podcast for you. This client just had a really, a number of really wonderful thoughts about her health before getting started with me that really led to some really fantastic work when she finally found me and signed up. So you won't want to miss that podcast. So make sure you've hit the subscribe button to the podcast so you get all the podcasts, you get notified when they get uh, released, and you don't have to miss any of them. Okay, let's dig in. As a child of the 90s, I cannot think of anything being inside, (laughs) that like a two- syllable word being inside without thinking of NXS's devil inside. So my clients and I have been talking a lot about rebellious natures and rebellious tender tendencies. And really it did start to breed in my head, this idea of the rebel inside. And I am just so we're aware I am wearing flannel today to really round out my nineties vibe going on. So the devil inside was a song by NXS. It's running through my head right now. As I was thinking about The Rebel Inside, I was singing that song. And some of the lyrics of that song really stand out in my head when it comes to looking at The Rebel Inside. The lyric is, words are weapons sharper than knives. And I thought there's nothing truer about that. I mean, we think they're just words and they can't hurt us. Our thoughts are what protect us, but recognizing that those thoughts and the verbiage that we use in those thoughts are really, really important, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So where we see this showing up is from a belief that many of us have that we need to have quote-unquote tough love or a tough love mindset in order to get the results that we want. This gets morphed into negative self-talk and sometimes can be very hateful self-talk. It can be very innocent, as innocent as, man, why can't I figure this out? It can be more sinister than that, something along the lines of, I'm so broken, I'm never going to get this to work. Regardless of the degree of the negative self-talk, almost always negative self-talk will feel bad. It feels bad in our body, and in no way does this ever serve us. We believe that it does, but it truly doesn't. And Why is this? Because we are the type of people that when we are driving bad feelings in our body, we look to eating to modulate those feelings, right? You don't get diabetic, you don't get extra weight on your body because you're managing all of your emotions without any food. Lots of times people will be like, well, I'm not an emotional eater. And my, I, what I offer them is all eating is emotional. They all come from either emotions of empowerment and determination and commitment, or they come from feelings of excitement. Happiness, or they come from feelings of loneliness and sadness, or they come from feelings of anger and irritation. Eating is always an emotional experience, that is just the way our mind and our actions come about. But recognizing again, if you are physically ill because of the food that you have been overeating, you are the kind of person that typically deals with emotions with food. So, having a thought, a belief negative self-talk that makes us feel bad is never going to serve us. Recognize the other part of this is no one's emotionally eating salads, right? It's not your kale and iceberg salad that you're overeating or emotionally eating. You're not emotionally eating carrot sticks. When we feel bad and we feel cruddy, we want to feel better and we turn to Oreos. That's the kind of human beings that end up sick with diseases like type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, obesity, hyperinsulinemia all of those things that I help my clients fix. So this is why negative self-talk backfires and it does not work. And today we are going to break it down and see what you are creating with the negative self-talk and then we're going to talk about how to fix it. So recognize that the negative self-talk comes in every shade of gray, right? It might be something as simple as, well, I knew that one am going to work out. Or it might be something like, well, I know I'm not strong enough to say no to blank food, whatever food, pizza, cake, ice cream, whatever it is. It may look like, well, there I go again, screwing it up. It may look something like, I'm never going to figure this out. I'm never going to get how to do this. It may look something like, this is just the way I am. I can't even learn to change. See how some of these feel like you are just reporting the facts, right? Like this is just the way I am. I'm never going to change. You are reporting just what is recognize that these are thoughts in your head. These are not facts and this is great news because those thoughts we have an opportunity to change. True facts we do not have opportunities to change. The temperature outside we cannot change. That's a true fact. We can't change that but we can change what our thoughts and beliefs are about that temperature. So let's talk about rebellion because this negative self-talk really leads to rebellion. The definition of rebellion is the action or process of resisting authority, control, or convention. If a rebellion seeks to evade oppression or evade authority or gain concessions from um, an oppressive power... Revolt will typically occur. That's what happens. If you look up rebellion and you look up what rebellion means and you, you know, look at the words that they use around rebellion, this is what will come up. So when someone, ourselves included, speaks to us in a authoritative, controlling, or oppressive way, we will revolt. Likely because just as when a political revolt begins, we revolt because we feel that we are not being heard that no one cares what we have to say that no one's listening to us anyone would revolt against that right i'll give some examples but if you think about if you have a boss that's very very demanding and very very condescending and very very oppressive and they make expectations of you and you try to explain to them that you know i don't have time with my other workload i don't have time to do that and they're like i don't really care you're going to feel like you're not heard And inevitably, you are going to rebel against that. You're going to revolt against that. You do not want to work in that situation. Maybe it looks like leaving and getting a different job, or maybe it looks like just complaining a lot about your work because you don't like it, right? So recognize that this is the way human beings work. So our inner voice, our inner critic... That negative self-talk, the voice of that negative self-talk usually comes in the form of one of our harshest critics in our earlier life as a child, typically, or a teenager. So if our mother was always writing us, the voice inside of our head or the tone of that voice or the phrasing of that voice will frequently sound like your mother. Using the same phrases that your mom used. If it was your grandpa, it will reflect his tone, his voice, his phrases, right? If it was a harsh teacher, again, it will show up in the words, in the tone, in the voice of that harsh teacher. It's not really so important to know who it was, but sometimes it's nice to know, where did I even learn to talk to myself that way? Typically, it's really from one of our harshest critics when we were younger. When we apply this tone to other areas of our life or other situations in our life, we would totally rebel against that tone again you know, I talked about the overbearing boss who just doesn't care when we need more help. We would totally rebel against that. If in college we had that never satisfied college professor that doesn't take into consideration other classes that we have or what else is going on. I hear that one from my children who were in college on occasion, right? Like, of course we would rebel against that. If we hear it from our parents, right? There was an entire song in the 90s, going back to my 90s days, by Will Smith. Parents just don't understand, right? Like, that was it. And that's what creates rebellion in children. I even see this in my own parenting. Many of you are aware my husband and I have about seven kids about, we don't have about seven kids. We have seven kids. Three of them were blended. Three of those children are my children and four of those children are his children. And I think about my three children, right? My three children, one of them is 10 years older than the other two. The other two are twins. One of them is 10 years older. So I think about the parent that my 10 year older child, the one that's oldest got in me, like what kind of mother did was I for him compared to the mother that I am to my twins, right? The, the 10 years, what what's changed about me? And of course, a lot's changed about me. But one of those things that have changed is the way I approach getting my kids out of bed. So when my oldest boy was seven or eight years old and it was time to get out of bed, my life was not nearly as calm and controlled as it is. I was much more reactionary. And I flew by the seat of my pants a lot and that came out as chaos a lot for him. So mornings were like, hey, it's time to get out of bed. You shouldn't have stayed up so late. We're going to be late. You need to hustle. You need to get out of bed. Move, move, move. It was just this constant yelling essentially is what it was for me to get him out of bed. And then even if he were to present to me like I'm so tired, I'd be like, there is no time for tired. We can't deal with that. You need to get out of bed. We're going to be late. So when my oldest boy hit about 13 or 14 years old, he was, he was rebellious when it came to getting out of bed. He would very frankly say, no, I'm not going to do it. And it turns out you can't make me. And he was right because at that point he was probably four inches taller than me and outweighed me. I couldn't make him get out of bed at that point. But that coercive and oppressive nature that I brought to getting him out of bed all of those years before did lead to a revolt in my son, right? Now, my older or my younger children get a different version of me. I'm a much more calm, maybe it's years of maturity. I really believe it's years of coaching, but it's just a calm, different version of me. So, when I go to get my 13 year old son out of bed now, and I've done this most of his life, hey, it's time to get up. Yeah, mom, I don't wanna get up. I'm exhausted. What he hears is not, we don't have time for that, or I don't hear you, or I don't care. What he hears is, yeah, man, I get it. I didn't want to get up this morning either. Mornings are rough. I'm tired too. But we got stuff we want to do. We got a life we want to live, right? My son has big dreams for college. He wants to go to a college that's going to take really good grades. So he understands that he has to go to school so that he can earn those good grades, In addition to that, he knows he doesn't want to walk in late because he doesn't like to be embarrassed like that. And he knows he wants to see his friends. And so I remind my son of all of those things that he wants, which takes no more time than when I would scream and yell at my older son to get out of bed. The difference is my son who's at home still, my younger son, cooperates then. It's not me coercing him. The the end result is the same. How interesting is that? They both would get out of bed until they got big enough and I couldn't get my older son out, right? But they both would get out of bed. I just get a spirit of cooperation from my younger son versus my older son. It led to this rebellion from him because I was coercing him. It led to a spirit of coercion that he felt that led to a rebellion for him. So my overbearing harsh response led to my 14 year old led for him to revolt against the oppressive power that was me. I definitely learned my lesson and now I gain cooperation so there's no need for a revolt from my younger son, right? So this is my favorite example to use when I'm discussing this with my clients because I think that it very much clarifies why negative help, negative or harsh self talk can lead to this feeling of rebellion, this need for rebellion, this need for revolt. So I do like to when I'm applying changes to my inner dialogue in my brain, the way I talk to myself, I do like to consider an inner child. Now I'm not against inner child work. I, in fact, I think there's a lot of truth and help with inner child work, but I know that it sounds very woo woo. And that even like rubs me, it rubs against me a little bit, but bear with me because I really do think there is some benefit to having a visualization of the child within yourself. If you start to care for yourself, Having that visualization of that inner child kind of makes it easier. How would you talk to the child version of yourself? Would it be harsh? Would it be hateful? Would it be cruel or mean? Would it be controlling or oppressive? If it would be those things, it's no wonder that your inner child is revolting and eating a bag of Oreos at night after a hard day. That makes tons of sense. No one's taking care of your inner child. As children, when we are three or eight or 12 or whatever, when we were young, taking care of us was our parents' responsibility. But as an adult, it's our responsibility to take care of what we need. It's nobody else's responsibility. And when we take that recognition, then we realize, oh, okay, how do I want to care for myself? Because if we're being harsh or hateful or mean or cruel, it's no wonder we're rebelling. If we are not being heard and do not feel that what we're experiencing is being considered or is considered important, then of course, we're going to rebel. That makes tons of sense. This is why that negative self-talk does not help you reach your goals. So how do we fix it? Let's talk about that for a little bit. If this inner child concept is a bit much for you, I want you to think of somebody else that you love. Someone you love deeply, someone that you love unconditionally, um, it may be a child, your own child. It may be a niece or a nephew. It may be your very best friend. But think of the kind ways that you would talk to that person, or the phrases that you would use. I want you to consider that when you're thinking of how you want to talk to yourself, or what effective ways you could talk to yourself. Think of the kind way that you would talk to them if something went wrong. I mean, like even think of the pet names. I think about this with my daughter. I found that modeling my inner self talk. From the way I naturally talk to my daughter has been incredibly useful. I love my children deeply and I'm stern when needed, but I'm never berating. I'm never belittling. I'm never hateful to my children. So I even use the pet words that I use for my daughter. Oh, sunshine. Oh, baby girl, what's going on? I use those pet names when I've started talking to myself, like that inner dialogue in my head has those pet names because it really does bring that feeling of love that is so natural with my daughter that was not necessarily natural for me. When I first started working on self di- my self-directed voice, when I started working on that, I actually modeled it off of my relationship with my best friend. I love my best friend. She's been my best friend since we were nine years old. She was eight, maybe. I was nine. Maybe she was nine and I was 10. Either way, it was a very long time. And she's been through thick and thin with me. And no matter what she ever came to me with, There was no lie she told, no disappointment in grades, no embarrassing thing that we got caught doing at school. There was nothing, no trouble we got into. There was no body that needed to be hid that would ever make me talk hatefully towards her. I love her. I love her. And so I decided when I started working on this self directed voice for me that after everything I had been through with myself, which is everything all of the things. I've always been there with myself through those, right? After everything I'd been through with myself, I owed it to myself to be at least as kind to me as I would be to my bestie. Hands down, that's my bare minimum, at least as kind. So that was the visualization that I found helpful. Find the relationship for you that works and model your self-talk after that. When my clients come to me and they ask me, how do I stop self-sabotaging? How do I stop eating the entire bag of chips at night? How do I not eat the donuts at work? I want you to realize this work on that self-directed talk is the work that needs to be done. This is the work. When you eat the bag of chips or the donuts, what's the first thing you say to yourself? I can't believe I just did that. Why did I do that? I know that isn't good for me. My blood sugars are going to be so high. They're going to be awful. Why can't I figure it out? I'm never gonna get it figured out. I'm gonna end up dying of diabetes. I'm so stupid and dense, I can't get it. I have no self-control. I'm undisciplined. Why am I wasting my health? This is why it's not gonna be any different, ever. This series of thoughts, those are the progression of my self-talk. When my self-talk was unintentional and untamed and negative, and mean, this was the progression of my thoughts. I had many of them, not a couple of them. I had many of them. This is exactly how it went in my head. So when I had those thoughts, I felt horrible. So of course the bag of chips turned into ice cream and then maybe some pizza. Or the one donut turned into two donuts and then burgers and fries for lunch and then candy all afternoon long. I was telling myself the worst story about me. I believed it and then I acted it out. And this of course is how our brain works. This is why those song lyrics are so true and important. Words are weapons and they are sharper than knives. It's not the devil inside, it's the rebel inside, right? That is what it is. This is why negative self-talk and tough love does not work to get you to your goals. There are so many other areas that we could dig into about the Rebel Inside, uh, including the Rebel being ran by fear and the Rebel being so obstinate to change. Those are topics for different podcasts, but I hope you have found this helpful because it's truly the important work that needs to be done. Please know if this is the help that you need, if this is where you struggle, this work is not easy and there is help for you. That's why a coach is helpful. This is why being naturally healthy is so much more than a food plan. You know what you need to eat. Nobody needs me to tell you to cut out the M&Ms and cut out the pizza. You know that's a problem. This work of taking care of ourselves, caring for ourselves in an exquisite way because we deserve every bit of it is the work of a lifetime and it's why I do what I do. There is help for you if this is where you're getting hung up. Definitely reach out. You can get all the help you need by emailing me at Delane at DelaneMD.com, set up a free mini coaching session. You can also bypass me altogether and go to scheduling a mini uh, coaching session at Calendly.com. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com forward slash Delane D-E-L-A-N-E-M-D. You can click on the free mini coaching session and you can just schedule it whenever it's convenient for your um whatever's on your schedule. It will tell you what's convenient on my schedule and we can match them up. You don't have to go back and forth with me. Recognize there's also um, more free help at my website, DelaneMD.com. Utilize those resources that are available to you. There is help. You can reclaim years of your life. You can regain your vitality. You can live a naturally healthy life. Stop wasting time. There's help. I will talk with you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also, leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the Work With Me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.